This is Mouth Media Network. Welcome, everybody, to Travel Is Your Business. And we are recording from Voyager in New York City, which is a community hub for travel startup founders. Our guest today is no other than Varalee Cruz, um, the founder of ATEC. Um, it's an international platform to develop the startup and innovation ecosystems in the Caribbean. And uh, not for nothing, but you're going to want to fly with us. So stick around because our show starts right now. Hi, I am Farley Cruz. I am the founder of ATAC. And what I love about travel is how inspired I get. I get. I get. I guess I come back with crazy amount of ideas. Um, it's it's like a idea box of you don't know what to expect. So um, ideas about new businesses, ideas for the startups I work with, ideas for events, uh, you name it. From New York City. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry, with technology thought leader and community builder Pavan Ball and growth strategist Peter Crisdale. And now, here are your hosts. All right, welcome everybody to our show. Um, I am your host, Pavan Ball. Along with me is uh, Miss Tamara Wood. Hi. Hi, Tamara. Hi, Bob. <laughs> and directly across, or actually, I won't say directly across, Caddy Corner, as we say in there New York go. City, is uh, Mr. Uh, Peter Crisdale. Hey, everybody. What's going on? And of course, our guest, uh, so lovely to have you uh, join us today, is uh, Miss Varily Cruz. Hi there. What's going it's on? It's great huh? to be here. So we're really, really excited to uh, have you on. So let's start here. Uh, what uh, Can you give us kind of an overview, um, you know, a sketch of who you are and what ATEC is all about? Uh, sure, who I am, where to start. So I am an entrepreneur and I am heavily involved in the startup ecosystem, both in the Caribbean as in New York City. And it started about, uh, well, the startup ecosystem part about two, three years ago. Uh, but really when I moved to New York in 2008, I was born and raised in the Caribbean, believe it mm -hmm. or not, on the small island of Aruba. And I did study abroad, but then I moved to 2008 uh, to take up a job in financial services. So I was in finance for a long time. And then when, and while being in that uh, you know, Wall Street uh, scene, I realized that I wanted something different in life. Mm -hmm. I traveled a lot, you know, talk about travel. I did travel a lot and uh, got really inspired through my travels and realized that I am not on the right path. So took a sabbatical, uh, traveled for about six weeks, and then quit my job after that, soon after that. Where and did you go then, when you traveled? I took a trip to Europe. It, was, um, it wasn't like one of those Thailand, uh, eat, pray, love kind of trips, <laughs> even though I have done that in the past. But it was more of a, you know, let me just go someplace that I feel comfortable and I love. So I spent some time in Europe. I went back to Holland, which is where I went to law school, connected with some old friends and just took time to think as cheesy as that may sound, but it came back a different person. Nice. And, and tell us about ATEC. So ATEC is, it's kind of funny. It wasn't a plan. It happened very organically. I was catching up with friends in Aruba. I was there for a weekend and they asked me to join their, uh, a talk, a table talk. It was, it's a community of entrepreneurs And I, you know, I joined, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we talked about funding because they wanted to know how um, startups raise money in the U.S. So I, I shared my perspective on that and then realized that there's this amazing community of, of entrepreneurs that want to do great things, but there wasn't enough or there wasn't a framework for guidance, um, not, let alone funding and all the other good stuff. But there wasn't that framework. So I decided to, with my friends, build it. And that's how ATEC started. So it started as a you know grassroots idea. We say under mm -hmm. a DV tree, uh, not in the garage because you know under a tree in a room outside. But really, it started as a you know an idea, and um, we decided to start with a conference because we were like, okay, how do we raise awareness for something so big, uh, mm -hmm. which you know, create an ecosystem? How do we raise awareness? And we decided to hold a press conference. We didn't even have one sponsor yet. So we held a press conference, announced a conference, a tech conference in Aruba uh, with zero dollars in the bank. And, and that's how it started. And the rest so came after. So maybe talk about ATAC, right? So ATAC is a, first of all, a community of entrepreneurs, investors, and uh, people who are passionate about technology. We 
we built our focus is to help develop the startup ecosystem in the Caribbean, starting mm -hmm. with Aruba, which is where we have our first hub, um, and provide uh, that you know the community have we have events throughout the year, including a big tech conference in Aruba, a pitch competition uh, where startups can apply, pitch in Aruba, and and win a grant, and also working on an incubation program going forward. Great. Well, we look forward to diving right into that. But first, uh, just a reminder to our audience, uh, follow us on social media. That is at Travel Biz Show. Um, and also, please do subscribe to us. Maybe leave us a, a friendly rating on iTunes. But we're available, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you're listening to podcasts. And uh, okay, let's let's start with this. You essentially ran your uh, second program in 2016. Um Peter came back glowing, not only from the sunshine, but I think he was uh, pretty excited it, about the overall experience. It was a great I, conference. I, and I have subsequently have bumped into several people now uh, in the New York startup, startup ecosystem that were, that were down there in Aruba. Yeah, Pavan, you really missed out. Uh, it, like, it's insane, right? Like, I feel like I was connected to this ATEC conference in 15, it's, 20 well, different so ways. Aruba turns out to be an incredibly interesting place because it's an intersection of so many different people. Um, I mean, there's so many U.S. people there. There's so many Europeans and Dutch because it's mm -hmm. part of the kingdom mm -hmm. of the Netherlands. Um, I wonder, um, Val, can you tell us a little bit about just like the intersection of all these different people who are in Aruba? Sure. It, you know, I think you that, that's correct. Like it is a big melting pot of people and cultures. So Aruba is a Dutch colony. And so... Mm -hmm. Everyone it's part of the is, ABC, right? It, it is part of the ABC, ABC uh, which is the Dutch Caribbean islands. Monero and Curacao are part of that as well. And even St. Martin, like half of it, at least the other half is French. Mm -hmm. But um, we are colonized by Holland. So like many moons back um, when you had the local inhabitants who were um, really native Indians from South America. And then Europeans colonized many years back. And then you had like a mix of different European cultures that moved to the island. And in addition to that, in uh, about 35 years ago, when the island started focusing on tourism um, and we needed you know, people to work in the hotels and the industry, uh, we had a big uh, flux of immigration at that time, predominantly from South America, Colombia and now Venezuela. So uh, you know, it created this, this really beautiful uh, mix of, of cultures and people and languages. Like if, if you're on the island, you can... In the same day, have uh, a very traditional Dutch pancake breakfast, uh, you know, Colombian meal for lunch, and uh, you know, high-end gourmet French mm -hmm. dinner. Uh, it really is that kind of, and it, it, in some sense, similarities with New York City, mm -hmm. which is also a big melting pot, even though they're two very different um, ends of the spectrum. Sure, it and different like climates. It seems like there's a strong connection between New York City and and Aruba too. I mean, there are a lot of people going back and forth. There's a big, uh, yeah, there's a big connection. Um, you know, if you take tourism, for example, um, the largest market com comes from the Northeast. Um, I think we're, you know, if you take Manhattan, we're, it's both islands, right? And, you know, and the New York was built by the Dutch too. So in that sense, and the, and, the, and the beaches in Manhattan are gorgeous. <laughs> just, just, just similar to Exactly, Aruba. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Pretty much the same. <laughs> Pretty much the same. I'm, I'm, I'm sunbathing with my down jacket today. So. <laughs> um, but can you tell us a little more about how the industry got started? Um, you know, I think both tourism and transport are big industries for Aruba. And how has it evolved in the, in the several decades since it really took off? The choice to develop the tourism industry uh, was a choice. It was by choice. So what happened um, in about 35 years ago, uh, the biggest source of income for Aruba was an oil refinery, an American oil refinery, which was the largest refinery in the world at a time. And it uh, you know, shut down and Aruba went into a you know, very large um, recession at that point. So there was tourism was just picking up at the time. But the government then made, uh, you know, a choice to focus and build out the industry. So that's when, you know, in the 80s, I started building the big hotels um, and a number of American hotels, in, you know, American brands investing, invested in the country. And um, it's been a rapid growth over the past 30, 35 years. And, you know, Aruba now, it's like a very different Aruba than it was 30 years ago. And it's been a, a big success story that a number of countries, not just in the Caribbean, but outside of the Caribbean, look at, for example, of how 
you know, how they did it. Because at the end of the day, it's a country of 100, no, 110,000 people. Um, when they started building out tourism, it was probably around 90, not yeah. even 100,000 people. So it grew yeah, to really support f- that. Correct. That, it grew really fast. Tough, and yeah. with that, also the infrastructure that had to go with it, you know, you, Peter, you mentioned transportation. You know, they had to build a new port to support the cruise ships. They had to expand the airport yeah. to carry that, um, that traffic. Yeah. Can we, can we talk about um, the programming with ATEC, how it relates to the travel industry, of course, and maybe some of the, the, the thread lines that were mm-hmm. there in terms of the technologies that uh, maybe even Aruba is looking at or other mm-hmm. uh, areas that are developing their tourism? You're creating a, a technological ecosystem. Correct. On Aruba. Yes. I guess okay. the, more, the more appropriate would be maybe an entrepreneurship on Aruba and, mm-hmm. and for particular Focus companies, specifically for technology to to stay on Aruba or just to start there or just to uh, give it, you know, do consultation and then go somewhere else. I'm, I'm not I really both. sure. I think initially to start there or spend some time on the island developing. Right. I mean, like you said, like you mentioned, Aruba is a very inspiring place. You have that, you know, the beautiful weather, the beaches. Um, there's this really great energy and vibe. They yeah. call it the Aruban way of life. So it's a very inspiring place for entrepreneurs to go there, work for two, three months. So initially, mm-hmm. maybe to start or spend some time there. But also, it is a great location to have uh, maybe a, a back office or you know a, a wrap office because um, the country is introducing a startup visa. Can you actually um, talk about, I know that ATEC um, has a specific concentration on travel and travel technologies. Can you unfold that a little bit? So ATEC focuses on travel. And the reason for it is that, you know, when we started it, we wanted to build something of what's already there. And mm-hmm. what the island knows is travel it's and travel. hospitality. Mm-hmm. So it consistently scores very high in, in hospitality um, compared to the region. Um, it has one of the best airports, if not the best in the region. Um, the very good airlift um, connections. And so we thought, you know, we could leverage of what's already there and build upon it. For example, and, you know, it's it's a good because of the size and um, the very tight-knit community, it's easy to beta test products um, with, for example, the airport. Um, you know, we were one of the startups that we're currently, uh, that's part of the community, is developing software for you know, management of airports. And they're, uh, you know... Are they using that in Aruba? They are, yes. Wow. Um, they started with Aruba, and now they're entering contracts with other airports in the region. So it's... Because it's such a small community, mm-hmm. you're a phone call away from the CEOs or the C-level decision makers from all these, you know, big um, travel-related or transport-related It's a great companies. test market, being Correct. that what you mentioned is that they're best in class also. Yes, and you have the volume because yeah. Aruba does get, um, you know, over a million stay-over visitors per year. Mm-hmm. And that's not counting the, I would say, 700,000, over 700,000 cruise visitors. On an annual basis. So, so let me ask you this. When we generally, um, you know, my, my background has always been consulting in, in retail and fashion space. And when people talk about fashion technology, it can mean a wide variety of things. So I'm going to ask you that same question. In, from your vantage point, since we're on this show, we're going to be interviewing very specific innovations. Mm-hmm. You're a community organizer. You've seen a breadth of different technologies as it yes. relates to travel. What does it, what does this all encompass? When you talk about travel technology, when I talk about travel, and, and I think you know, in, in light of ATEC as well, I see it as um, movement of goods, uh, movement of people, and also um, movement of data. Mm-hmm. So going back to that Aruba example of you know, it's a place that's so rich in data, data on. Uh, Air traffic, data on people moving around, data on people using services, buying goods. So uh, travel to me is a very broad sense in the movement of, you know, those three elements. Does that make sense? No, that was actually perfect. So what we'll do right now is go into a quick break. And when we come back, we want to dive deep into some of those technologies and specifics around what's going on down there in ATEC and in Aruba. So uh, stick with us, folks. Uh, more with uh, Vara Lee Cruz, uh, the founder of ATEC, when we come back on Travel Is Your Business. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> 
exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. and I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Travel Is Your Business. And we are here, of course, with Varalee Cruz of ATEC. Uh, so continuing on our conversation. So, um, Varalee, tell us a little bit more about the different data sources that exist on the island and, and some of the startups that are working with it or some of the potential use cases. Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, we have, uh, of what I've seen over the past years looking into this, you have different sources of data. You have, you know, your government data um, that's being collected. At, you know, there's a central bureau of statistics that does. There is a central bureau of statistics that does a really good job of collecting data on um, any you know elements that impact economic growth or economic development, and that touches the obviously the the tourism and the travel industry being the biggest source of the source of income right now what's um, what percent of gdp is tourism for the record it's over 90 percent. really yes. over 90 i think amazing. it's the second uh the country with the second high and highest reliance on um, tourism uh, wow. in terms of gdp yes it's wow. it's big yes uh, and so you so a big chunk of of everything that you know the government does you know to 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 track the economy is around travel and tourism. So now, are they that, sharing that with innovations, like it different is being, startups? Yes. Well, it is being shared uh, with stakeholders, stakeholders being your traditional hotel partners. Uh, right. A big chunk of that data is public. Uh, that being said, um, I think there is a lot of, there is room for growth in terms of innovation in that sense. So, you know, the big data scrubs, uh, creating dashboards for the data that's there, uh, another partner is the University of Aruba. The University of Aruba um, has a hospitality has a hospitality program, and they also collaborated with a lot of the government and private partners to collect data on, on different. It could be as as detailed as consumer sentiment and surveys, but also bigger picture, you know, the impact of certain um, industries on the environment. Um, and you know how much visitors are spending per day or at specific, you know, points of interest. So there's a lot of data collection. The Aruba Tourism Authority is also um, the institution, or I would say the um, organization that uh, manages uh, the destination. And uh, they also have a wealth of data that they collect throughout the year. The various um, hotels that are, are on the island also collect their own data and do their own research. So there's a lot of data. There is no uh, centralized platform yet. There is sharing, but I think this is a great opportunity for entrepreneurs to, you know, to synthesize that data or to, you know, come in and look at what's out there and see where there's room for innovation, um, either with new products or with existing products. Now, how about were there was there a threat of like um, sensor technologies? And you know, you had mentioned before just tracking people and movements, and um, you know, a lot of the retail landscape focuses on that: is how many people are actually passing this specific area? How do you route them and guide them towards different activations and areas of interest for clients overall? Correct. How are sensors being used in the in the tourism industry? Um, to my knowledge, um, very limited right now, but there is a movement or um, some initiatives going on to introduce sensors to help the tracking of flow of people. Mm -hmm. um, 
spending areas of, of spending but also to help monitor impact on the environment yeah. and, and socioeconomic Th- impact there's a sense. company up here in new york based called place meter um they use the existing infrastructure of cameras uh, and other already se- sensors that are, are available yeah. in in you know smarter cities mm-hmm. um and, and they're able to aggregate a lot, a lot of interesting work. So just something that might yes, be... Yes, and I think that's something that could easily be implemented as, as implemented as well, just because, yeah. you know, you can do run pilots at certain points of interest. For example, the port where the cruise ships come in, right? Yeah. Where you have like a big flow of um, of people um, a couple what, of days a week. Well, that's that brings up... Do they grow a lot of food there or are they importing everything <laughs> that's it, everything's, everything's imported, imported. Right? Oh. but well i shouldn't say everything there yeah. are some local farmers and urban farmers and mm-hmm. there's like a movement toward growing food yeah. uh but it's a very very small uh very small amount even it's fishery also, is more of a cultural thing not so much an economic um you know reliance i don't think it's a very big island in the first mm-hmm. place right of course right. well i mean only one hundred ten thousand people there's probably it's not how big is the island itself it's uh, about the size of Manhattan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what what are they doing to, uh, from a technology standpoint, what are they doing to maximize the use of that space, uh, since it is finite? I think that's part of uh, that's where ATEC comes in. So mm-hmm. we're, we're hoping to build this platform that would allow for startups and entrepreneurs to collaborate with the private partners and government partners on the island um, to to really leverage the space yeah. and the movement there to innovate. Uh, and it's it's really what we stand for. So ATEC has been impressive in getting a lot of different stakeholders to the table, both in terms of sponsors and in terms of speakers. Um, where do you see this going? Um, do you feel like tech and startups are going to become the next big sector of the economy for Aruba? I think tech and startups is the only big sector for Aruba in the next coming mm-hmm. years. Yeah. If you look at the size, uh, you know, you probably cannot put another hotel just because of space issues, not to even mention the environmental impact of, you know, developing more mm-hmm. infrastructure. Uh, there's no export, so we don't produce anything. And even if, I mean, you can go into manufa- a big scale manufacturing because there's no space. Uh, so that leaves you with very little. And, and you know, the, the economies that you can focus on are really knowledge. And that's, you know, I feel like knowledge emanates um, from uh, innovation and startups and technology. So you you have like you've developed this really great energy, right, Um, which is difficult to to do is grab attention, Mm -hmm. um, deliver on a brand promise from a conference standpoint. Not easy. (laughs) Um, So what what do you what do you do from here? What's next for you? What are you what are you thinking for ATEC? Wow, that's a tough question. <laughs> no, yeah. I think, you know, we uh, we put a lot of heart into it. And, you know, like Peter said, he the people who we invite also put put their heart into it. Uh, so what, what I'm very proud of, and I think what, you know, our team is very proud of is the community we've been able to build. And that's been carrying us. So in terms of what's next, um, we don't have that five, 10-year you know, BHAG big plan, yeah. but we're hoping to take it step by step and grow the community and eventually um, hoping to have developed best practices that other countries can replicate. Do, well, do you see this as in a global, I mean, do you, you mentioned the Caribbean first. Um, yes. Do you see people now, your your main driving value will be to the Caribbean and are, are the participants coming from all over the world? Are you trying to grow it into a web summit? Are you trying to keep what you have here at this? Are you mm-hmm. happy with this size? And you know, like, yeah, that's a good question. We're not trying to grow it into another web summit. I don't think that's the ATEC model. I think there's something special about people being able to connect at a deeper level and, uh, you know, whatever, is that a 500? Is it a thousand people conference? What's it at? What was it right this now, last it's around, show? It's around 500 people the, the past two years. And we like that number because it really, I mean, and Peter, maybe you can add to that. It really gives you a chance to, to connect with people you otherwise don't get to connect with in New York, even though maybe you work in the same co-working space. The, the biggest thing that I came away with as a speaker was connections to a diverse set of very high quality people. Definitely. Well, well, to speak on that, I um, so I'm invited to speak out in South by Southwest, and they have these regional mm-hmm. like community events for the speakers. So just recently, they had one in New York, uh, 
and I attended, of course, and I met um, a really interesting woman, uh, Helen Todd. And I don't know how it came up, but Helen's like, Helen had mentioned, oh, I met Peter. Yeah. Do you know Peter Crysdale? You, you should. I think I met him actually on a, like, I, I basically came out of the beach and like, <laughs> like, and in my swimsuit, like threw my cover up on and moderated a panel and uh, mm-hmm. we met and mm-hmm. just a, just a mm-hmm. cool guy. This and that. I'm like, what is this a tech? Like who yep. is like all these people are just yep. coming off the beach and like speaking. And, and one of the things that she mentioned is that like, you know, we were able to really meet everybody that was there. So to that point, the yes. 500 seemed to resonate with other folks. Yeah, and, I would uh, say it had a little bit of the South by Southwest feel. And, and I know like South mm-hmm. by Southwest has become a huge thing now. But it had a little bit of this feel of like um, you get to know people because you sit and have a drink with them. You know, you get to know yeah. them because you're yes. socializing with them and not because you're on a panel together. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I was just wondering from, you know, you were talking about all the data and 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 the people and the goods and so there's so much there. So in your opinion, um, I don't know if you can answer this, maybe they're all interesting, but what are the most what are some of the most interesting new startups and the technology that they bring to the table? One specifically for Aruba and then um, another one maybe that is ap- applicable um, at airports all around the world or hotels all around the world. One specifically I am very excited about is the startup called Avioni. Avioni, yes, Avioni, like okay. a- avian with a Y at the end. And uh, what these um, these entrepreneurs have done, they've uh, developed software to manage air traffic, initially air traffic control towers, because what I did not realize is like there's um, insane logistics involved in tra- air traffic control towers. So what they've done is they've uh, partnered up with the local um, organization that uh, manages that part of the business and they developed the software that really automates and innovates the entire process of, you know, when, from when the flights take off to land and how much to charge each plane that rolls up back into the accounting. And they were able to do that hand in hand with the people on the ground. And now they're expanding that to airport management. And this is something very exciting for the island, but it's also something that can be easily replicated or adjusted for airports in the region, but even globally. So is the the is the software also intended to sort of alleviate a lot of the stress on the people who work there because it's an extremely stressful a- job? Absolutely, um, and- absolutely. It's it's really software is is there to make your life easier, right? It's supposed to make mm-hmm. your life easier, not mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. complex or complicated. And the beauty of of this example is that not only were they able to build it together with the people, but they tested it with them and got it to a point that the customer was was happy with it. And the people that actually, the non-techies that had to work with the software day in, day out, day out were very happy with the result because it was built with them, not for them. And this is the, makes the of example sense. of that small scale mm-hmm. Um, in tight knit community that you, it's you know it's a good place to to beta um, mm-hmm. you know well, because beta test your products right and smaller airports have different needs than than the larger hubs absolutely mm-hmm. they do but I think at the end of the day the basic technology um, you know there's there's a lot of common thread in mm-hmm. terms of I mean they may bigger airports may have bigger volume mm-hmm. uh, but at the end of the day um, it's all about making money right airports right. need to make money right. to, to yeah i know <laughs> stay in business I'd, i know right. of a company that made actually hundreds of millions of dollars building um login and back-end software for second and third tier banks mm-hmm. all the big banks could afford to have these nice bright you yes. know capital one Citibank have these uh great login platforms but you know the um the bank that has three or four branches in Cincinnati, Ohio or something couldn't afford it. I can see it very much the same way. You know, you have these second, third tier airports, you have private airports mm-hmm. that could mm-hmm. all be a huge long tail market for something. Exactly. Like that. Mm-hmm. And what and I think what a lot of people realize and you know, entrepreneurs building product is that if you look at that some of these if you look at the airport business and private airport business, there are insane there's insane amount of logistics. Well, it's, it's also interesting to, to, it. to actually think mm-hmm. of the airport as a business, right? You just look at it as a function that it has yes. to be there. So as a traveler, you don't really identify it. As, and as know what's business. behind, you know, yeah. that, you know, that one landing and that one takeoff mm-hmm. and between the flight, you know, 
people need to eat or some yeah. flights offer food. So mm -hmm. uh, what happens between the company that is making the food and the plane that's serving the food? There's a lot of logistics going of on in between that whole. And that's, that's where... That's what I meant with the movement of, of goods. Yeah, sure. Too. That's the whole, part of the, the whole, whole process. The travel industry has done an amazing job of hiding all the background stuff from the yeah. traveler. There's, there's so little that you actually see, but there's so much happening in the background. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we see more, we'd be a little bit more forgiving when the, <laughs> the flight is 15 minutes late. That is, I think you, we would. You do, you yes. do. We just had, uh, I just experienced an eight-hour delay in Oslo um, for an, un and they we couldn't figure it out, but when the pilot said it was for an unscheduled check, yeah, I knew immediately what they were talking about, and I'm like, "Hallelujah!" You know, because mm -hmm. if one screw is out of place, yeah, you know, yes. the whole... they they have to check the entire thing. I used Absolutely. to think it was magic, but n now I know it's not. Yeah. And, and the beauty of this is is that there's so much room for innovation. Yeah, uh, in this industry, a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, a big portion of uh, the logistics around and operations around airports, private airports, ports. Right, it's big ship ports, shipping ports is is happening um, mm -hmm. in a manual way. Yeah, and paper, mm -hmm. a lot of paper still being used. Mm -hmm. Well, where do you think the the biggest room for opportunity is in building innovation right now in the travel industry? I would say the next big thing is going to be in uh, shipping and ports. So building logistics around um, shipping of goods and moving of people through ports. Because I feel like. Uh, airports, um, you know, they're more people think about them. Mm -hmm. You know, you use them all the time. Yeah. So it it is on on companies and, and startups radars. But I feel like the you know the entire shipping or cruise industry not so much. Yeah. So I think that's the the next probably one of the next well, big areas. Was, you know, I I was recently um, taking a stopover in Singapore, and the Singapore port just from you know mm -hmm. looking from down there. from my my window seat. I mean, I couldn't, I would, if I were to count all of the shipping boats yes. that were coming into that port or out of that port, hundreds, hundreds, I've never seen anything like that. And to me, always circling in my head is that how much money is being lost of those goods just yes. sitting there waiting, mm -hmm. queued up to actually Absolutely. hit into that port and go out. It's, it's, it's insane. Well, here's yeah. a, here's an extracurricular for podcast listeners. Mm -hmm. Go look up the history of the uh, shipping container. Mm -hmm. Because the shipping container was built, uh, designed specifically to solve that problem. It used to take like five weeks to load and unload a ship. Mm. Wow. And the, the sort of modularization mm -hmm. of the shipping container is actually a huge innovation. Yeah. Have ago. either of you guys seen the new extension of the Panama, Panama Canal? I've no. read about it, but I've not. I mean, that's pretty um, dramatic, the effect yes. that that's mm -hmm. had, right, mm -hmm. on international trade overall. It's a, Absolutely, yes. My friend recently just took a drone over there, so I saw it on Facebook. But uh, beyond that, I haven't had the luxury of going to check it You're out. Such a sign of the times. Sign of the like, times. Yeah, I was, I was like, dude, weren't you scared? He's like, man, I was like two miles away from that thing. He's like, he's like what are they going to do? Shoot it out of the sky? He's like, I just want to film. I'm like, jeez, you're insane. But um, it was an incredible, incredible feat, obviously. It's awesome. Um, one thing that's very interesting, and I think Aruba uh, has taken the lead on this, is the biometric uh, check-in, check-on, check-out, biometric oh, check-in, check-out points at the airport. Yeah, uh, it's the first country that has a seamless uh, immigration check-in, check-out cool. um, that was uh, done, I believe, in collaboration with uh, the Schiphol Airport Group. Yeah, can you um, walk us through the that? experience because so, seamless would be amazing yeah, yeah so it's actually very simple so you go through this very nice beautifully designed machine mm -hmm. and it has like a glass door so you put on your passport and then it takes your uh takes your picture mm -hmm. and then you walk right through and that's it so your data goes in the system and when you leave it will recognize you as soon as you go through the gate so uh, it's a fully uh automated process of entering and leaving the country there sounds like there's probably a lot of sophisticated technologies that go into <laughs> having, that having said that so i experienced the that that process coming back into the united states at jfk um and my my son took his picture and everything was fine you know and then he because we were traveling together we took our pictures together you know with somebody traveling with you and he said okay so smile mom and then he pressed it when I wasn't ready, my eyes were closed in the picture, which I couldn't see on the thing. So he scooted right through in 15 mm, minutes. I wow. stood in line for two hours. 
Interesting. (laughs) Do they have, does this new software or the software that you said, you know, because the seamless, I thought, oh my God, that would be wonderful. No, that's a good one. It's seamless. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've been through it a couple of times now. You don't have to press anything. So it will know when your picture is the right appropriate approach. It will, and your eyes are open. It will take, exactly. It will take your picture. And then you do have to scan your boarding pass and your password. So you put that on. Sure. And then, but it, it's like a couple of seconds. Like you go through it really fast and then the glass door opens. How much time mm-hmm. does that save? Oh, probably like my best guess, probably 80% of, wow. you know, the, the standing in line, not to mention all the cost. Of so then, the, I mean, right now you have yeah. like TSA pre-approved and, you know, the, yeah, pre-check, a pre-check, mm-hmm. and all these um, things. Does clear, it, which is the private. Does that essentially? Yeah. Does that essentially? I mean, make that meaningless? I think it might. Um, yeah, right? I probably will replace that once you've. Well, it comes back. Comes back to the data, right? So, um, to which databases are you connected? Right. Um, so I would yeah. think you would need you a have, partnership you have with TSA security. to be able you to. Have yes. Customs are mm-hmm. completely distinct processes right Correct. now. Um, how, how early are we? in um, innovating the airport and customs process? That's a, that's a scary, like, Orwellian question, yeah. right? <laughs> because if you get to the point where you just use your retina scan and your fingerprint right. to get on an airplane, then the amount of data out there about you that's owned by the government and private companies. Sure. Yes. But aren't it's, people already conditioned scary. at this point to, to basically give up their data? Once they sign up for Facebook, they're essentially <laughs> lost all their privacy in the world. I mean, sure. but, but really, I mean, aren't we all accustomed to, to sharing now at this point? I think, uh, I think the consumer mentality definitely has an appetite for more uh, fluidity, automation and yeah. innovation at the airport. I think it will be a societal question of how much are we willing to give up in order to get on the plane 15 yeah. minutes faster. That That's, also, and if it could also improve security, I can imagine that, the, I could only imagine that this is helping on security efforts as well. I mean, if you're going yes. down to unique identifiers like a retinal scan that you, you know, I mean, this is a minority report or anything. Like I'm not switching contacts that like change my... Correct. My eye mapping. Mm-hmm. So within the within the ecosystems that you are dealing with, the ecosystem that you're dealing with, and the companies that are coming to you, how, uh, how do you see the balance between um, the need for security and the need for privacy? That that's actually a very good point and, and question. I think it comes down to trust, right? How much do you trust technology? to replace um, the job of individuals. If we take the example of the seamless check-in, check-out points, um, the company that is um, implementing the seamless check-in, check-out at the airport, um, you're storing and collecting personal data, you know, Mm -hmm. biometrics that is a very sensitive data. I traveled to India two Mm -hmm. weeks ago, and when I arrived in the country, I had to actually give them my fingerprints. I had to scan my fingerprints on a machine. And um, India now has uh, over 1 billion biometric uh, data points for each of their citizens, as well as uh, an even higher, well... This is new, because I was in India in January of 16, and I did not go through that. So two weeks ago, I traveled to India on a uh, 30-day visa. Okay. Um, it was my first time there, and when I arrived at the airport in Delhi, they took my fingerprints, um, both hands, and it was a process that took less than yeah. a minute. Um, but they now have my biometric data, and from something I read just a few days ago, I believe they also have uh, biometric data for more than a billion of their wow. citizens, wow. Um, <laughs> which is an interesting thing to consider. I mean... Do you think Aruba would do something like that? I mean, do you think that um, Aruba as a small country might actually be able to innovate on some of these things? I think Aruba as a small country um, can move faster than bigger cities of countries. I think the, the, the biometric, the seamless check-in, check-out, that's just the beginning. Imagine if you can tie that into the uh, process of signing up for a driver's license. Um, if, if you can connect all these data points into a dashboard where you can implement a system where it's just like one, like that, you know, the, you have these startups nowadays that you have like one password, right? Like one pass, I think is one of them. They're built 
some of them are built on blockchain. So you have like one centralized system of, of login and password. And if you can replicate that for the identification model, either it'd be through airports, driver's license, um, getting a car license plate. I think there's a lot of value into that if you can integrate those models. Um, so I, I do think that a small nation um, as Aruba um, or similar size could play a big role in, in developing those products as they did with this seamless check-in, check-out process. So just an interesting observation. I felt like because I was traveling on a tourist visa, because I was um, sort of accepting whatever process was given to me, I was much more willing to just give away my fingerprints than if someone somewhere in the U.S. actually asked for that same information. Um, I wonder if, as Aruba, because you have more than a million people traveling to the island every year, um, if you might actually, uh, what's the best way to say it, get away with um, capturing a lot more sensitive information from travelers because like, they're just in well, the if you're, Because they're happy. You're yeah, already exactly. in the, I mean, honestly, if you're already in the airport, like you go to Delhi, you're not going to turn around and be like, oh, well, right. you know, let me just jump on this 16-hour flight yeah. back because I yeah. don't want to get my biometric yeah. scan. I mean, exactly. it's just like you're kind of in a vulnerable spot as a traveler that you almost feel like you have to at that point yeah. like, and, give up and you're in a different state of mind what i notice is when when i travel a lot back and forth to the island and i notice that whenever a flight lands in aruba people are clapping I mean, oh, you're yeah. happy yeah. <laughs> that's just that caribbean <laughs> thing man like, it is that, I don't know. yes i think i think it's i think it's cute but dr but, columbia but it does it, like, set you in that that mind that frame of mind right like, mm -hmm. you're sort of oh we're on an island, and this is great. Oh, what do you want? What else do you need? My passports? Do you notice the opposite thing on the way back? Are people really sad yeah. when they get back yeah, on the plane very to much leave? So. <laughs> so it is going to be time for a fast break. And uh, when we come back, uh, we are going to go off the beaten path with our guests today, which basically just uh, gives us a lens into the more human and personal side. Of, <laughs> Should I be scared? Yeah. Uh, it depends on what their questions are. For me, um, yes. <laughs> in just a moment we will be back with Vara Lee Cruz uh, of ATEC so stick with us as we go off the beaten path if you're a business decision maker you should listen to this the show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. To explore opportunities to partner, collaborate, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. And now, on with the show. All right, welcome back to Travel Is Your Business, folks. Uh, we're with Varily Cruz, of course, of ATEC, and it's uh, time for... Off oh, the Beaten Path. That is Off the Beaten Path, where our hosts ask personal questions to our guests. And quite frankly, we have no idea what we're going to ask, and I have no idea in what order we're going to ask them in. So what we do is we're going to go with a whole uh, random flight announcement model that I think is auto-generated by me actually just guiding it directly. <laughs> so so I'll, I'll, we'll, uh, we'll start with... Paging passenger Peter Crysdale. Peter Crysdale, please report to gate two. Okay, um, starting with Peter. All right, Varley, you've been to a lot of different countries in the world. <laughs> I want to know, other than Aruba, what is the smallest country you've been to? How long were you there and what was your experience? Okay. Smallest country I've been to other than Aruba. And it has to be the Caribbean, I would think. I would say it probably was Curacao, <laughs> neighboring island. <laughs> uh, I think it's great. I think all the ABC, they're all different um, and still very similar. Uh, they have uh, their own unique traits and quirks. Uh, Curacao is bigger than Aruba, but still probably the other smallest I've been to. And if 
a great culture, like a very cultural dif- driven destination um, with a rich history uh, of um, immigration as well. And, you know, the not so nicer part, slavery. Um, but they do have, uh, and you see it back in their food, you see it back in their music, you see it back in the colors um, across their downtown. And now probably my urban friends are like, why are you? <laughs> is why there, are you is promoting some, yours out? <laughs> is there some competition between the ABC islands? There, there is some unspoken competition, even though we, you know we're neighbors and have lots of friends on the island. I personally like Curacao. I think it's a great place, but there is there is definitely competition, and you know there's sports events um, that we hold you know throughout the year, and there's friend there's friendly competition. Good deal. All right, next up. Um, Stand by passenger, please come up to the gate. Tamara Wood, please report to the gate. We have Tamara. So what was the very first trip that you ever took on an airplane and where did you go? And did it did it have a lasting effect or make a lasting impression? The, the very first trip was when I was I think three going on four. And my parents took me to Holland. So it was a flight to Amsterdam. That was my very first trip. I don't remember much of it. I do remember my grandma putting me on the airplane toilet seat and taking a picture of me. So <laughs> and I have that picture. So that was that was the one memory that I have. Crazy enough. So but I do I I don't know. I think after that, the first trip that I could remember is probably going to um Orlando, Disney World with my family and, and, you know, with my family, we travel a lot to the U.S. And that's how I fell in love with America, too, Mm -hmm. Uh, coming here every year. And my first big solo trip, um, I think, was to Puerto Rico. How old were you? Not solo, sorry. The first, my first big trip without my parents was to Puerto Rico. It was a high school trip. I was 16 going on 17. And that was a great experience. We stayed in the mountains. Um, this old, um, you know, convent area and it was a lot of fun. Nice. Nice. And the, uh, ladies and gentlemen, would passenger Pavan Ball please report to the information desk? The last, uh, I guess, question goes to me. It's you. Pavan <laughs> right. Ball. All right. Uh, what type of travel are you? Uh, is there such a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what type of traveler? I am an explorer. Mm-hmm. I think I'm not, I like to get a feel for the the place I'm going to, the city or the country in terms of the culture, the food, uh, what the locals are doing, what they're eating. But I also um, like to see the, you know, outside of the, I guess, off the beaten path, like, you know, what's outside there um, that's not in the major city. So I do a mix of city hopping, mm-hmm. I guess exploring cities but also outside i I do a little bit of both so my question now is um what is the most unique food experience that you've had abroad as well as um maybe off the beaten path memory food experience definitely vietnam Mm -hmm. Um, vietnam street food that was amazing unbelievable and cheap i took a (laughs) food tour um like a moped street food tour there in uh ho chi minh nice it was cool. That's really cool. I remember what, going to Did you to get these... um, Balut? I don't remember. Duck I, embryo? I definitely you got rem- duck, yes. Oh, okay. I definitely got <laughs> duck. Uh, I can't remember the name exactly, but I definitely... Oh, uh, man. So many different things. That's, was... oh, oh, I'm saying oh, man, as it's not <laughs> delicious. It was just uh, harrowing. I guess yeah. you could say. Bob, Bob and I can tell you oh. have a very strong sense memory. Oh, God. Yeah, no. It's like it's happening to you all over again right now. Yeah, it was rough. And my second best, I would say India. I went with, uh, we did a two-week trip of northern India. And one of my friends has been many times to India before. She, she was like, you cannot eat the street food. You cannot eat the street food. For, so for almost two weeks, I was deprived and I wasn't allowed. She wouldn't let me eat the street food. So the last day, I'm like, I don't care what you say oh, or what boy. you're going to do, but I'm going to eat the street food. And I did. And it was phenomenal. How was and I, did not, I did not get sick. <laughs> really? That is, sick. that's honestly very brave. So even in India, I don't eat the salad or, I mean, you're, yes. Yeah. Very particular about that. What did stuff. you eat? What did you eat? What was it? Do you remember? I, you're definitely, um, 
samosas involved and none okay. and some fried, fried food it was it was yeah, vegetarian so i do remember yeah. it being vegetarian like some dal definitely a lot of fried and the What's yeah, like yeah. that they have this fried donut not gulgapas oh oh fried donut the, jalebi i think so yeah it's so good was it more spongy or um, maybe gulab jamun is it like brown it with like a lot a, of syrup yeah a lot of syrup gulab jamun okay yeah. that that yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. man i, I had that on well the okay that, that that that's safe stuff so like if you're going into the water salad type things or the seafood you really got to be very, no very i did careful. not go into that because um, it wasn't there to there weren't many options, um, the place I went to, but I, I made, I made the car stop when I saw like a street food thing. I'm like, you're going to stop here. Cause I'm going to get my fix. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, uh, Verily for, uh, being with us today. We're excited about, um, you know, just following your path and what's going mm-hmm. on with a tech. What is the best way that people could connect with you or a tech, just the things that are going on in your ecosystem? Thank you. It was really great to be here. And um, yeah, looking forward to hopefully see you all at ATEC this year when in Aruba. When? We're looking at the end of October. Okay. So and how can people kind of follow along and see how to get involved? The best way is to either follow us on, on Twitter, so okay. ATEC Conference, or our website is ataconference.com. Or you can reach me directly on Twitter. Uh, it's at Verily Cruz. And that's my last name is spelled C R O E S. Sure. And just to, to clarify, that is at V-A-R-E-L-I-E, and then your last name, C-R-O-E-S, correct? That's correct. All right, good deal. And what type of folks um, are you looking to connect with right now for the conference? We will soon open our application for the pitch competition. Uh, so we're looking for startups that are in the early stage, um, seed stage, mm-hmm. ideally pre-Series A that can apply to pitch at ATEC. And then you will select the top, um, let's say, 10, 12 startups to come pitch, and the winner will win a cash prize. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, had a great time, and I... It was, it was enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. Thank you so much. And so thank for uh, Mr. Thank Peter Crosdale. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks so much, Fairly. And Ms. Uh, Tamara Wood. Yes, thank you for coming. It was lovely. And uh, thank you all for listening. Um, I'm Puffin Ball, and uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed your stay here. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.